This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Tournament of Champions recap episode. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. Good evening, Rick. Uh, good to be with you again tonight. Uh, f- interesting finish today. We were on the number, by the way, 25 under, which was uh, nice to see. We got the number right. Uh, we were kind of around the right guy, but Mark Immelman is here. He's back. He's got a glow to him. He is. Are, are you rested up, Mark? The the, the Hawaii trip was uh, looked a little personal, looked a little business. How was it? It was a little of both, boys, and it was incredible. Um, it was nice to get over there, nice to get away. Wasn't so nice to get away from you guys and miss the first cut for a while, but I did listen, I'll be honest with you, while I was there lying on the beach one day. And so did a little golf teaching for the first week in in Huwalalai, where they have their Champions Tour event, and the golf facility they have is just off the chain. I mean, it's crazy how awesome this place is. And then uh, next week, the following week, I spent some time with a dear friend in Honolulu. Went up to the North Shore, hung out with Kelly Slater for a little while, which was lots of fun. And then wow. and, and now back over here and, and sort of back at it. Work starts tomorrow for me. Mark rubbing elbows with Kelly Slater. Now he's are hanging you, out with Greg. Well, you know, it's unbelievable. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm honored to be in your presence. Are you are you on the board at all? Any experience there? No. Uh, we, we, he was out at North Shore, which was just absolutely mental. I mean, these waves were it was like 30 feet plus. Uh, on the second day, and the first day, we were out there just visiting and looking at the ocean. And so he looks at my two girls, and he goes, you want to surf? And I'm looking at this going, are you bananas? <laughs> and uh, so my littlest is like, sure, but I'm scared. And he goes, don't worry, I got you. And he looks at Tracy, my wife, and he said, I know. Tr- trust me, we won't go past that area. So he took them out, and he would sort of lie on the back of the board and steer it and stabilize it for them. And they'd ride into the shore for like, you know, probably 50 yards or so. But in behind there, about 40, 50 yards, there's waves that are like 10 feet high at the time. So <laughs> it was crazy. And, and I, I said to my girls, I'm like, do you understand that he is probably the greatest surfer of all time? And that's not even an argument. And you got a surf lesson from the dude. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was I was just thinking uh, the one person I would certainly trust with my loved ones on a surfboard is <laughs> Kelly Slater. Like no yeah. doubt about it. He yeah. is the guy. Uh, but the guy in Maui this week was Harris English, who in a playoff with Joaquin Neiman gets his first victory on the PGA Tour, Greg, since 2013. That year he won in Mayakoba and he won the FedEx St. Jude. This feels like... And I don't want to call it the culmination because I don't think he's done, right? But this this has been the trajectory for Harris English over the course of the past, call it 18 months, where the game has really gone to another level. He was seventh on tour in strokes gain total last year. He he we we jokingly say he won the B flight when Dustin Johnson ran away with it at, at the Northern Trust. He was the guy 10 shots back in second, and now finally gets it done here for his first PGA tour victory in essentially seven and a half years. 
for a, for a while, uh, he really kind of lost his game. And Harris English was at a place where he was like a um, an underperformer for his career. There there was this stretch from I mean after he won um, in 2013, I guess you know there was a while there where he doesn't win at all. And and the amount of dollars that he made for two years, I mean there were three years in a row where he's making under a million dollars on the PGA Tour, and he's playing upwards of. 25 events in, in 17, 18, and 19, he loses his card. And it, it looks like a guy who's done. And he was kind of a, a prodigy coming out of college. I mean, I remember thinking with his golf swing, his physique, his ability, that he was going to be a star on tour. And it kind of, he was at first, and then it kind of fell flat for him. So to see this comeback, it, it's a rare thing. And uh, it has been it's been quite impressive because the play coming back last year, we got, gets a couple of opportunities on tour and plays his way back onto the PG. He earns his card in the fall with the tied third at the Greenbrier tied six at Sanderson farms, tied fourth in Houston, tied, uh, fifth solo fifth in Mayakoba. And then he just carried it on and became a top 20 machine. And he's rolled with it for, we're now over a year where he has just rolled on being a top 20 machine. And of recent, uh, his last three finishes now tied six, tied fifth, uh, and a and a win. So it's been impressive play from Harris English. Well, let's. I want to mine into one of the comments you made uh, right there, Greg, which is the physique, the swing, Mark. This is something we've always known about Harris English. Kind of like the he's got the body for this. The swing is always very aesthetically pleasing. It just hasn't gotten it done as much on the PGA Tour. Obviously, a lot more going on. But you know, I, I look at what he did on on eighteen in, in regulation, and he's got three iron in there, and the guy hits an an absolute dart to I don't know what it was nine feet eleven inches. Gives himself even a, a look at eagle to win this thing outright i mean that's putting it all together physically and mentally yeah just just to sort of visit the 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 slump that he had you know to be fair he did bounce around between a few golf instructors i believe he saw scott hamilton at one stage and and harris has always been a bit idiosyncratic where if you look at the top of the swing you know the modern day golf instructor is likely to have something to say because he plays with quite a cupped you know leading wrist um the modern day guys would call it you know um, extra extended that gets the club face a bit more open and then from there he gives the club a free swing if you watch him in terms of arm speed his arm speed is as fast as anyone he just doesn't rotate as hard as most and so there was some fiddling around with that and then i think you know the little draw he typically used to hit turned a little fast and that's dangerous on the tour um and then from there he sort of bounced around some and when you start losing um losing confidence you know then it's a tough road to hoe and uh, thankfully for for him he lives down in sea island hooked up with justin parsons who's i rate so highly and and, and justin looked at him and he said look do what Harris does. Let's go back to what Harris used to do well. And incidentally, Justin said the same thing to Michael Thompson and guided him back to the winner's circle as well. And so there you see him watching, working on the start of his swing a lot, you know, basics like posture and fundamentals like ball position. But he starts that thing well. He gets the club to where he used to have it at the top. And from now, it looked to me like over the weekend's golf when, you know, the pressure gets ramped up. We know this. And then that shot on 18, downhill lie, Nothing but disaster to the left. If you hang one to the right with that big slope, it's hard to get it up and down. Um, but he delivers just a gem off that lie with a long iron. And, and that's a testament to a guy who trusts what he's doing. And it's a testament to a guy who is obviously highly skilled, as you point out. So, you know, it looks like he's here to stay now. 
because when he won early, when he won early in his career back in when was it uh, thirteen? I think it was. Yes. You know, he was a star coming out of college. He was the can't miss kid from Georgia. We all knew it, and he won early because of just the hype around him. I think, and he was playing with sort of house money, but now he's went to the bottom of the barrel and he's found his way back up. So now Harris knows what Harris has to do. And I'd be I'd be surprised if he deviates from the plan right now because they're on a winning wicket and this guy's got all the tools we know it, and now he's got something he's believing in. So it, it oh and and just add to all of that, his nickname in college was Hands Harry because the guy <laughs> phenomenal around the greens. Okay, yeah, that's a good point, Mark. Yeah, and you saw how he chipped and putted, and you know made he hit a weak putt I thought in regulation on the 18th hole, but then when he had one up the hill to win, that sucker was buried with authority okay so so i'm um, with that short game and with his belief right now i think he's poised to 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 perhaps open up the spigot some and and he really did he has uh putted really well this week every time i every time i looked it seemed like harris english was making another uh another 20 or 30 footer he ended up fourth in strokes game putting for the week um, but even in the time when the game kind of got away from him his putting remained strong. His short game remained strong. He it, it really it really was quite good, um, even in the years of trouble. And now that the TD Green game is kind of coming back to who Harris Eng- who Harris English really is, I, I think you're going to see him here to stay as well. So it's good this mark and and you kind of alluded to this. It seems like Harris English is who he's supposed to be now. Mm. The the lows were the anomaly, and and this is who he really is as a player. And I just want to say this with respect to Scott Hamilton, who I really respect. And, and, and I'm speaking off the cuff. I believe Harris did work with him. I saw them together some. Um, Scott did a great job. He really did at the time. And it was a natural fit for Harris because Scott also works with guys like Chris Kirk, who was a Harris uh, English teammate at the University of Georgia. So there was this Georgia connection to a guy who lives in North Georgia. So, look, Scott Hamilton's a wonderful instructor, teaches a number of really good guys on the PGA Tour still. It's just that you hook up with this one, the one individual that just helps you to unlock who your authentic you, your real you. Uh, that's always the key. And, and Justin Parsons clearly has been the golden ticket. Let's dive into the playoff here and we'll we'll kind of transition a bit from Harris English into Joaquin. Newman, but there it is. But Greg, um, you, you know, it's interesting. They play 18 back to back and Harris English played it uh, almost immediately back to back. You know what I mean? He hit the same shot uh, essentially 20 minutes apart. He was a little further back in the playoff. I think he hit three iron again. And in, when you're in that situation where it, it now turns into match play a little bit, you know, the, some of the commentators were saying it's almost advantageous to go first and be Harris English. And, and give yourself an opportunity to put at least a little bit of pressure on Joaquin Neiman. Now, he didn't stuff one like he did in regulation, but he plays it out to the safe spot. He's like a, a yard or a step off the green. He's he's hands Harry. We know he can get up and down from there. I, I, I mean, that's it, it's important for him to step up and hit that shot when he did. It, it creates... It basically, it's like posting a score when you're coming down the stretch of a tournament. You put it into that position, and Joaquin Neiman knows now that he's going to make four from there. It's very, very likely that he's going to make four. And it puts Joaquin in a place where it, it just adds a little bit of pressure. And it, it makes, it, it makes the flag more, uh, the, the, the force of the flag is a little stronger. You want to hit it a little closer to the flag because you want to have an opportunity for a three. Harris is in a position where it's very unlikely he's going to make an Eagle. So you can win the tournament with a three. If you're Joaquin Neiman, you're saying, okay, I have a, 
I think he hit five iron. I have a five iron here. If I can hit this close, I'm going to win the tournament right here. And, and if Harris hits it, you know, a little farther away, lays up, hits it into the uh, position Joaquin Neiman did on his second shot, all of a sudden you're, you're not quite so sure that he's going to make four. But when Harris put it in position, he did. It basically, it locked up four. It's not an easy shot and the pressure is high, but for these guys, that, that shot from the front right-ish portion um, down to that whole location is pretty basic. And, and you got to assume he's going to make four. So I do think that was really important. So Joaquin Neiman in the playoff mark, he was, I think he was like 25 or 30 yards closer. He did not hit a great shot. Uh, Mark, or excuse me, Greg was just describing it, but I want to back up a little bit. I mean, the guy goes out and shoots a a nine under round of what, 64 to even get himself in this playoff, right? I mean, it's, this is, we've seen this from Joaquin Neiman at times. He, He did it at the RBC Heritage last year. Greg and I talked about this on Monday. He has some of these stretches that are absolutely unconscious, and and we saw a lot of that on Sunday. Yeah, they truly are, and and I think it's time for everyone to pay attention to Joaquin Neiman. I mean, he's been a former world's number one amateur. The guy's just 22 years old, and when you have the conversation, the Wolf, the Morikawas, the the Hovlands and company, you should be mentioning Sung J.M. and Joaquin Neiman, but they sort of fly under the radar both. The thing about Neiman is, you know, everyone thinks about him and they probably think about that sort of big side bend he has in his golf swing that kind of makes it look a bit crazy. But the guy is a flusher. I mean, he hits the ball solid and he hits it a long way too for someone who doesn't carry the thing uh, uh, big time in the air. I mean, he flies the ball down a bunch. And so maybe that is the knock against him because in really big tournaments, when conditions get firm and fast, you're going to be able to hoist the golf ball, which he can when he needs to. When he when when it's down to the uh, the nuts and bolts of it all, you know he's going to drill one down, and we saw him doing that in the final round of this event. But all that being said, he drives it great. He controls distance with irons very well because he hits it so solidly, and the guy can putt the eyes out of the thing. And he's twenty two and he's fearless right now. And maybe there's some of this. Well, uh, C. Hovland has won a couple times now, and Marikawa's got a major and a few wins. Uh, maybe it's my time. And and, and you can see uh, the approach out of him, like like Greg was talking about the five iron that he went and ahead and played sort of more aggressively on that playoff hole. Two things I wanted to add to that. The, the Neiman mindset is one of attack. And he's got a guy in Gary Matthews, a new caddy on the bag, who's been around the block. He's worked for Sergio. He's worked for my brother. He's worked for um, Charles Watzel. He, uh, he's worked for Lydia Coe. So Gary has seen the comings and the goings in the world's game. And Gary wouldn't let him hit a dumb shot. <laughs> if they're going after something like that from that number, that tells me that, hold on a second, he was confident. He felt like he had the shot. Um, the wind was in his favor. The lie was good. You don't go attacking over there because to that point, you allow the in that situation, you kind of allow the putter to be the superstar sum. And if it's the ball t- just 15 feet inside of where, 20 feet inside of where Harris is, the thing takes the slope into the hole over there. So so he's just he's awfully aggressive and he doesn't back down. And when he's in contention, that's why we see him make these big birdie runs because there's no flag that's left untouched. He's kind of like Sung J.M. in a way. And so I think it's time for all of us to pay attention because the boy is legit and, and fresh-faced and he's not afraid of anything or anybody. 
two full seasons on tour so far. And um, both of them, he was 23rd strokes gain T to green for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year he's 32nd. So if he putts the way he did this week, which I want to say, Rick, he was 14th um, putting for the week. If he can sit in the middle of the pack, uh, upper middle of the pack in, a, in a, any given event, um, you're going to see Joaquin Neiman right near the lead. Uh, and to put a bow on just how young he is, uh, he was the youngest player in this field. <laughs> Greg, Greg mentioned that he turned, he turned pro in 2018. He was the youngest player in this field. When he won the 2019 Greenbrier, he was 20 years, 10 months, eight days old, which made him the third player born outside the U.S. to win on the PGA Tour before turning 21. The last two to do it. Seti yeah. Ballesteros, Roy McIlroy. That's pretty elite company, yeah. I would say. And, yeah. and Mark, I think this is why he doesn't get mentioned in the uh, Hovland, Wolf, and um, and Morikawa conversation. Because it's almost like he's been here. We know why he's been here too long. He's oh. like a veteran already. He's, yet here he is at 22. So there's an interesting line. And Kyle rep- uh, talked a little bit about this on Tuesday. Age versus seasons on the PGA tour. It's an interesting line. I think he, he kind of um, falls victim to that in that conversation. Well, to Kyle's points, um, seasons on the PGA tour are one thing. They don't just give you spots to go and play. Right. Neiman earned his way as a 20 year old. Just, and, and that speaks to someone who's awfully special because that hasn't been done by many folks at all. And then just to put a bow on the conversation in terms of his game, because you know, whether he's Neiman or Hovland or Tiger or whatever the case might be, you've got to be able to play. And if you want to really make it, you've got to be able to play on all manner of golf courses in all different seasons. Well, he won at the Greenbrier, which is bent grass. It's soft. You play in a valley there in West Virginia. Um, there's some there's some elevation around the place there, but not very much. It's an old CB McDonald gem. Then he goes to Kapalua, where you're playing off side slopes like this the entire time on completely different grass. Side wins, head wins, all number. And so he's played well at both places, not to mention a number of other golf courses around the PGA Tour. So he's got a game that travels well. And, and so as a result, I'd be looking out for him over the next bit. We say his name once and he pops into our screen. It's Kyle Porter. KP, what up? How's it going? We're good. Kyle. Listen, hey, look at this. Mark's back. Kyle. Hey, Mark. Hey, man, how are you? The gang is crit- back together. Got your Christmas card up on our tree. Well, we took the tree down, but it was up there. Cool. Yeah. Did you enjoy the little ornament? Yeah, it was sweet. Mm. My wife was fired up. Yeah, that's a great cause. This yeah. is what the people are listening yeah. for, right? Yeah. We're we're like, a great cause. It's Af- people in Africa that make Christmas ornaments, and so we support them with uh, buying them and giving money to the little townships. Absolutely. We'll have a a spinoff ornament pod, I think, in our future. But for (laughs) now, Kyle, we're going to throw you right into this thing. We've covered Harris English. We've covered Joaquin Neiman. I'm just going to hot potato this to you for whatever type of Century Tournament of Champions take that you want to make right now. Wow. that's. uh, (laughs) Should we talk about Hideki's putting? No, we don't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) Too too many strokes. Too many putts he took. Man, I thought that... um, I I really like Harris English. You know, I, I saw him at Colonial back when I used to go to tournaments uh, back in like 2014. And his ball fight, Mark knows this just from being out there, his ball fight is unreal. I mean, it, it's to me, it stands out even among the guys. I mean, everybody on the PGA Tour hits it well, right? But his ball fight stands out even among those guys. And 
you know, look, he was the top 10 guy in the world throughout last year. If you just look at the way he, he, he played, he, it didn't result in a win. He loses by 11 at the Northern trust uh, to DJ, but it, you know, I think him, Rory and, and Xander were kind of the three best guys probably last year that didn't end up winning. You guys might've already talked about this. So it was cool to see him get a win. And I love, I love the, uh, the side story of somebody breaking an eight year or seven year drought on the PGA tour at a tournament exclusively for guys who have won in the last 12 months. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. It cracks me up. I was saying before that it kind of reminds me of, um, Steve Stricker winning comeback player of the year, back to back years. <laughs> you, you wonder how there's going to be a time 20 years from now where we wonder how that way, how that actually happened. So I, I like that story too. Yeah, I'm already filling out the trivia questions for five years from now, looking back to see what these <laughs> what these answers were. Um, I want to move along to some of the bigger names because we saw a lot of big boppers make a move on Sunday. Justin Thomas shoots a final round 66. He finishes in third. Xander Shoffley shoots another final round 66. He finishes T5. Bryson makes eagle on the 72nd hole to cap off of a, a 66 uh, to get him to a tie for seventh. John Rahm a tie for seventh. I mean, it, it didn't feel <laughs> like this, Mark. It didn't. Somebody just broke something, I think. <laughs> it had to be Kyle with the way that his face uh, lit yeah, up there. Uh, oh, there you go. He's playing candle he's top. Only... candles and ornaments. Always playing good. around with something. <laughs> I am. I can't. We, keep we had a hand. podcast in the summer. He was be- dropping golf balls on the ground. Yeah, it's <laughs> it not was, good. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark, uh, it didn't necessarily feel like it outside of maybe JT on Sunday, who started to kind of put a scare in some of these guys. But you look up at the end of at the end of the tournament, and here they are, top five, top ten finishes for for all the big boys. Well, you sort of expected around there when you get to Kapalua, um, the way the golf course sets up, par 73 with the par fives are all reachable. I mean, the big one, six, whatever it is, 18, it plays downwind and you saw the guys hitting irons in there. So you know that you've got to get around with at least five under a day to not lose ground. And with those sorts of conditions, lots of elevation, wind, big greens and stuff, it, it, it sort of, it, it really, to me, highlights ball strikers. Because, you know, the, the, the guys who are a little iffy, they're going to hit balls to wide targets on the greens. And with all the undulation, it makes putting really difficult on the slow greens there. So if you're hitting the golf ball well, you're you, you likely to have a good time of it around there. So when you say well, you think Ram, you think Justin Thomas, you think Dustin Johnson. All the names you reference, these are guys that, that hit the ball well. And then you mix in with that, just the wins. Now, it, I, I've been there back in 2017, and I called Justin Thomas's win. And the wind absolutely howled for four days straight. And you always expect that there. In fact, the practice rounds, we saw guys practicing in winds of 30 mile an hour plus, which makes the place play difficult. But we had two days there that looked like it was in the doldrums. And and the conditions were idyllic. And so it was just, you know, aim and fire for everybody. But then as soon as the wind kicked up on the weekend, uh, on on Sunday, I should say, not even Saturday, you saw the big boys start showing up because it starts sort of exposing ball striking a little bit. So it's more of the same. Every year you go to Kapalua, you expect a guy who can drive the ball along, hit quality irons, is, is probably going to have the advantage. And that's why, to a large extent, you've seen you know Woods, Else, um, Justin Thomas, those sorts of guys, Dustin Johnson have success around there. 
Death taxes and Xander Shoffley at Kapalua. Greg, I, I think I read this and I'm going to have to try to confirm it, but I thought I saw our, our official world golf ranking guru Nosferatu on Twitter said Xander Shoffley is going to move to four in the world. Did I see that correctly? Am I making that up? Even if I'm not, it's something crazy. And we are now at the one-year anniversary of his last victory anywhere. So it's like he's just piling up these – producer Jacob Salt, too. He's he's confirming that for me. Xander Schauffele at number four in the world. Piling up these great finishes and, and, and moving up the world rankings despite not raising trophies on Sunday. Yeah, he, he continues to play really well. Every single week, he's putting up great performances, and he's a great player. But, um, you know, last year – it was, it was very interesting to watch him because I think if Xander's l- reflecting on his 2020 season, he's counting, um, he's like, he's likely counting tournaments that he gave away. I mean, he should have probably won three times last year. And some of them were, he fell victim to great shots. But I mean, at this event last year, he three putted on the uh, 18th green of regulation. He should have walked away with a victory there. He, I think he gave away the Charles Schwab challenge. He had more holes to play than Morikawa and Berger. And he missed a really short putt on 17 to give that one away. Uh, and there, and there was one other event, I think Xander, um, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but Xander probably leaves saying, I, I really should have won. And I, I made a couple mistakes down the stretch. So he's in this place where he's playing great, but he's got a Xander needs a win soon. Cause the, the pressure just, it rises. And when you feel like you're, uh, snake bitten and you can't get a win it can get it can get really hard and you can you can find yourself off track so if you're xander you keep doing what you're doing um and uh, you got to get a win here soon and and then it could be um it, it could be a floodgate scenario which I, uh, i'm not I, big on floodgates but he's playing that well <laughs> yeah, yeah i actually yeah i actually said I actually said it's a, the one-year anniversary of Xander's last victory. It's the two-year anniversary of Xander's last victory. So I wanted to clear that up. KP? Uh, Phil has won more recently than Xander. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Wrap your head around that. It's yeah, true. It's on, on the PGA it's Tour, right? You're not counting Champions Tour, right? Yeah, yeah, PGA, yeah, yeah, yeah PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say I won the match also. So. <laughs> right. I think he's won more than one match for Phil. Because <laughs> he won the match against Tiger, and then he won. That's true. Uh, he won with Charles Barkley as well. So no, no. Barkley, Barkley carried him. Yeah, but just yes, something to bear in mind. And I, I'm not making excuses for Xander, but he's the kind of player, you know, number four in the world right now. That you play certain events. You don't go to Jackson, Mississippi, with respect to Sanderson Farms or whatever. And, and so I think if he had to visit his schedule a little differently. Maybe he'd have one or two out there a little bit more, but he's playing in major championship quality fields every time he tees it up. Yeah. And, and when you're playing under those sorts of conditions, you've got to have your A game for all four days. You, any miss, if you have that misstep day, which is likely, you have to still get by the thing with limited damage. And, and so there's that to bear in mind. But to, to Xander, I, I just thought it was super cool that a guy could come in here off a COVID break, not barely played at all still shoot what was it 20 under or whatever he did and then eagled the last hole which i thought was a pleasant retribution compared to what happened the last time he was there so so i'm not concerned about shuffley he's playing big time events on big time courses he'll i'm not going to say stumble into one but i think he'll back into a win where he'll he'll post something and someone won't match and maybe then your floodgates may open a little wider greg 
Well, see, this is the thing that I, I do like and the, the big positive I take away. You look at these big names Rick was mentioning and, and who kind of they end up in these top 10 finishes, these big names. This is how they do it. They play great on Sunday. Seven under for Justin Thomas, seven under for Xander Shoffley. He's in that group. Seven under for Bryson, six under for Rom, um, and six under for Lonto Griffin. So these guys are at a class where they they know how to, how to perform really well on Sunday. And, and Xander is in that class. That's why he plays in those events, and that's why he's always near the lead. The most surprising thing from Sunday is that the Cleveland Browns are up 28 nothing on the on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the second the second most surprising thing uh, from Sunday to me, Kyle, is is what Colin Morikawa did. You know, he shot an even par round of 73. Only him and Billy Horschel were the only two guys to finish this event inside the top 28 who were even par or worse on Sunday. Uh, this one, I mean, odds, makes, odds makers liked him heading into Sunday. Um, this this was weird. It was weird. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very good. You know, Justin Leonard kept saying on the broadcast, um, you know, Morikawa was a great putter, great short game, great putter. And I was like, ah, is he? I mean, I, I feel like he's like, told us that he wasn't a great putter, you know, like when, whenever, whenever we talk to him and, and that's fine. You don't like, there's nothing wrong with not being a great putter again. Like he wins if he's a zero putter or slightly above average. Um, so I don't know. That was kind of weird. I actually though, I was a little encouraged by his performance. He, he didn't play well on Sunday. He, he hit it terribly on Sunday, but I think overall I was a little encouraged by his performance because I think we've entered into this, like after he won the PGA, every, Everything post PGA was about speed wars and Bryson and who hits it far. And Morikawa was just not in that conversation. And I don't want him to be like he does. And, and uh, some Bones said this on the broadcast. I think it was Bones said, look, he, I don't want him to chase speed. He doesn't need to chase speed. He doesn't need to chase distance. He just needs to be the best, as Mark said this time last year, the best iron player in the world. And so it was, it was cool to see, like, he's just, like, I hope he just kind of sits in that for the next 15 or 20 years because he's going to be awesome, even if he's not hitting it, you know, 370 yards off the tee. So I was actually, I, I came away encouraged by his performance, even though he didn't play that great on Sunday. I, I know, Mark, that you're always uh, thrilled to get a, a good strokes gain stat thrown at you here. So Morikawa strokes gained approach round one, seventh, round two, eighth, round three, Third round four 41st. Uh, so that's just an illustration of, especially for, for one like Colin Morikawa, who th that's his big weapon. And when you remove that weapon from the bag, I mean, quite honestly, the fact that he, that he even shot a 73 playing that bad with his best part of his game is almost a bit encouraging. Yeah. Well, look, he's not, he's, he's not short by any stretch of the imagination off the tee. He hits the thing adequately far. But when you've got wins like we had in the final round over there, if you're playing from a little farther away than a Bryson or let's throw Bryson out of the conversation. Let's say just Justin Thomas for argument's sake. Um, Justin is going to have the advantage because he's coming in with these heavy wins with a shorter club in hand. So it's a little easier to get one inside 25 feet as opposed to whether you stand there with a six iron from an even lie with a crosswind. You know, that becomes a pretty hard deal. So on a day like today, I think the savvy young man that he is, he'll probably, it'll probably be a little irate that he didn't play well being in contention, but I think he's on the plane wherever he's going right now on the red eye somewhere going, you know what? It was different conditions today. I played great for four rounds. I mean, that third round he put together, he looked magical. 
I can see why the odds makers were high on him going into the final round. But every so often you get one of those days where it's just not going your way. Some bad lies, some uneven lies, heavy wins like we saw today, and and that can trip one up. And and so I'm if I'm Morikawa, I'm going, oh, whatever, on to the next event. I think he's in my top like five of guys that I just love watching. Like when he's feeling it, like Mark said on on uh, Saturday, it's so fun. Like it is so fun. Like some guys, they're playing well, and you're like, I don't know, is this fun? Like Brendan Steele makes eight birdies in a row, and you're like, I'm, okay. Like he's dealing with Scott Stallings. <laughs> yeah. Do I do I do I care? Uh, but Morikawa is like, I don't know. He's kind of electrifying. I, I I really just enjoy watching him play. How many guys do you think? Mark just said this. He's on the red eye. How many guys in this event? So there are 42 guys in this in this event. I How many guys fly, fly private? Oh. Well, is Morikawa playing play next week? Morikawa's playing oh. next week. He's not oh. on the red eye. He's going to, he's going to a little puddle jumper over to Honolulu. It's 40 minutes, I think, to Honolulu. Quick flat. But that's a good question, KP. So uh, I would say all the top. DJ. Right, DJ. DJ Bryson. Rom. Probably. JT. Yeah, but here's the thing about the, 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 the private plane from there. You've got to have a G5 g5 to make it because it's like 10 hours worth of flying so you, you you can't go flying in a smaller plane so that cuts a number of the folks out unless you're playing paying big yeah. fees so, I so bet are you chartering are these guys going over together like a group of guys from uh from jupiter west or from jupiter the, east are, are they this, flying over together <laughs> jupiter east <laughs> that is just, that's just jupiter <laughs> oh that's just jupiter <laughs> Jupiter North. <laughs> I, 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 uh, to that question, I've I've flown that before, and I got on the flight and I walked back to my seat, which was in the twenties somewhere. And when I got onto the flight, all the first class was filled up with PGA Tour guys, and the red eye flight back to LA or wherever they were going for. Yeah, it might be a different question weekly, like KP yeah. when they're flying around. The regular PGA Tour schedule. How many of those guys are flying private with their with their net jets and their wheel yeah. wheels up deals? I bet it's not very many to Hawaii. No, yeah, I would, I would agree. Uh, Thirty two of them are headed to the Sony Open next week. And and Greg, I mean, you look at the the contrast between the Plantation Course at Kapalua and what we're going to get next week. Wailai, I mean, Wailai's flat. It's a par 70. Obviously, I mean, every every fairway is more narrow when you're trying to compare it to the plantation course. But we're going to see a kind of a, a different, maybe a different skill set or at least a different style of golf uh, next week. And you typically do. I'm not sure if it's because the uh, at Century Tournament of Champions, you have all guys that won last year. So more of the big hitters seem to be there, especially in recent years. I mean, the century tournament of champions is a, a much more popular event than it used to be. So that's one, that could be one thing, but the golf course, it definitely asks for something different. You see guys, uh, maybe a wider variety of, of, um, styles win at, at Wiley. There are players, um, of different distances, different, th- there are just a lot of different guys who can compete. And you think about last year, you had a uh, camp Smith and the, uh, camp Smith ends up winning with Ryan Palmer in the mix. And, um, uh, Brendan Brendan Todd was in the mix. Who was the other? Who was the other player? It was, it was Brendan, Brendan Steele. Steele. It was Brendan yeah. Steele. That's right. Okay, Sometimes, my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kyle's Kyle's boy. So you see varieties of of styles perform really well there. But to, um, but to Greg's point though, from the tournament of champions, that's a number of the tournament winners, and they duck after that week, and then they start getting ready for the West Coast swing, be it Tory Pines and then beyond. 
where this week you, you might find a few more guys playing. And uh, as I said, when I was calling the event back there in 17, Justin Thomas played v- both events and won both events handily. One of them, he shot 59. And, and so like the guys who played this week that are going next week, I wouldn't discount them, but even though the golf courses are just wildly different, there, there's that Hawaii feel about the place and the grasses are the same. Yeah, uh, the, the winds are sort of the same, but the power guys can go with irons off the tee around YLI and the big guys and, and, and the less than powerful guys can go with driver and play strategy games, kind of like a Cam Smith sort of thing. So it's a great course. And I feel like you're going to see someone who played this week and played well. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they contend next week too. The field, that's Oliver. He loves the Sony Open. He's very excited about it. Colin Morikawa is there. Webb Simpson is there. Victor Hovland is there. And Greg already picked the winner. It's Abraham Answer. He'll be there. Yeah. And by the way, Rick, he uh, tied 17th this week. And I'm not sure. I think that's the number that we talked about on Monday. Yeah. We we need him to be maybe a T17 or something like that. So he did that. And he looked pretty good. The, the thing that makes me... Uh, hold strong here and keep up with my Abraham answer pick is the seven under round today. Yeah. So that was a really nice improvement. Now I feel like there, I mean, even if I didn't pick it on Monday, he'd be a guy I'd be looking at for that reason. I was going to say he, uh, he closed with a uh, flurry and also didn't go too crazy where his number is going to move for next week. Uh, we're going to talk about our new little super contest and our little betting card, uh, 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 what is that called a segment that we did this this week and we'll give an update on the one and done league but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. So what we did this year, first week of 2021, is we all compiled betting cards. So Kyle, remind me what we did is we all took $100. We pulled up the William Hill odds and we made a betting card. I believe your card was the biggest and you were profitable. You were four and three. You won $50, Harris. Congrats. Yeah, my uh, producer, Jacob, is going to be driven insane because I'm going to, I might make 98 bets next week with my, with my hundred units. And, uh, it's super fun. I just got on there and started clicking around. Um, my, you know, uh, the, the, I think one of the biggest ones I had was neat was uh, Joaquin Neiman over, or is it here? Joaquin Neiman over Daniel Berger. That was, I got a little dicey when they're both like T3 on Sunday. Uh, thankfully Neiman, pulled ahead at the end but yeah it was i had a ton of fun i I thought it was it was a fun thing to it kind of got me more into the event beforehand and then kept me kind of following following along throughout so it was cool 
Well, it's Greg who was the leader this week. Greg, you were three and two. You won 80, I keep calling them dollars. I guess in, in theory they are units. And your big boy, your 50 units, your half your bankroll on Lonzo Griffin to finish inside <laughs> the top 20 paid out. Yeah, yep, it did. Barely. Uh, easiest money I, that I could think of. <laughs> Watch it throughout the week. I think I sent a message into the the group chat we have. He was 24th. He was, he constantly was one shot out of the top 20. And I was just, <laughs> if this is, if it, if it goes this way on Sunday, this is not going to be good. But uh, you know, as I said before, uh, the big guns show up for Sunday and, um, and Lonto Griffin played great shot six under on Sunday. So really nice round. And I wish I put a hundred on him. Uh, it was great, great week for Lonto. Dustin Johnson, John Rom. Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Lonto Griffin, all guys that are they're in the mix in that class. Exactly the same, but it's Mark Immelman who continues to lead our one and done with three and a half million. Now, Mark, you had Patrick Reed this week. He gave us a sweat like between Friday and Saturday. He was playing well. He was in the mix. He ended up finishing in a tie for 21st. That nets you $75,000. Yeah, and just quickly to visit the betting thing that I was in a while last week, as you guys know, and so producer Jacob sends me the thing because I couldn't get onto the, the website from where I was. And so I was fiddling through there and I thought I had an absolute lock with Mark Leishman finishing inside the top 20. I called him over for Cam Smith, which won me money. And then I called Harris English over Webb, which was, I was, I thought I was doing pretty well, but then Finau was a bit of a bust, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as it goes with the read, um, whenever he goes to Kapalua, he plays pretty solid. To me, I wasn't really going to use him anywhere else, so I couldn't think of a place where he'd really jump off the page at me. And when you've got limited field events like this, you know, typically I like to go with some sort of name. But I figured Patrick Reed would be a good uh, a good move, and he was looking really sound for a little while there, and I was like, well, maybe we'll get away with something, yeah. But in the end, I was surprised he didn't at least finish inside the top 20. I had him for a top 10 this week, to be honest with you. Are you saying Patrick Reed's not a big name? <laughs> I didn't say anything of the sort. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good try, Kyle. Uh, Kyle, okay, so Kyle was in the penalty box this week. So yeah, he, yeah. he double-picked earlier. We made him take a golfer, and it was Stuart Sink who was leading this thing through like seven holes on Thursday. <laughs> so I, I had to laugh. I, I mean, why still? And I see the group chat, and was, I see Sink. Why? And I'm like, why are they picking Sink? And so now I'm not <laughs> So yeah. we were rooting for Stuart Sink in the group chat all week long. But Kyle, I'll, I'll defer to you to, uh, on this one because producer Jacob and I both went with lock of the century Hideki Matsuyama at the Century Tournament of Champions, a guy who had played there three previous times, never finished outside the top four. We are licking our chops. We're ready to rock and roll. Dead last. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is this is what happens when you pick somebody who hadn't won in five years. Although I guess English hadn't won in seven years. So <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize how much worse it is. Like just miss the cut and go home after two days, and I can forget about it. To have yeah. to watch him flounder around for four days at the bottom of the leaderboard and never budge is just like the ultimate kick in, kick in the teeth. It's I, five under yeah. the final round, didn't he? Yeah, he he actually in a, finished with in a tie with Mackenzie Hughes for dead last. <laughs> it was it was not a good scene. I, I thought I thought he was disappointing. 
I thought I thought Reed was a little disappointing. He was my pick to win. Um, not here, but just on CVSports.com. And then the guy that I thought was the most disappointing, and you know, far be it from Tony Fino to let us down at a golf tournament, but I, I just I I didn't like what do, what is he doing? He finishes like T thirty. This course is perfect for him. I mean, we talked about this before the event, Mark. Um it's a it's a little bit of a facsimile of Augusta, which is somewhere that he plays great. It, he can use his athleticism on, on those, you know, the uneven lies. He just played terrible all week. I thought all three of those guys were pretty disappointing. I was surprised at Tony because you know, um, I had the week the week of Kapalua, I was in Honolulu and went to Turtle Bay, and he had been out there practicing and apparently had been just lighting the place up. And so I was like, well, Hawaii guy, a guy who's familiar with the surroundings over there, golf course, as you point out, fits him. And then mix in with that because I picked him in that group match over Neiman. Ha, shame on me. And, and Sergio, I think it was. And I sort of thought this was a luck. Um, and with the greens, the way they play, they kind of mitigate putting issues a little bit, you know, so you can hit putts hard. And if you're not the best putter in the world, it sort of disguises that some. So I thought, Given that and the fact that he hits it like he does and can drive it around there, um, he, he should be a lock for a good performance. But you never know. Maybe he was feeling a bit under the weather. This sort of stuff happens, you know. The big winner of the one-and-done week for us was Coach, and he's not even here to take his victory lap. He had Xander Shoffley, who finished T5, 280000 So, Greg, you and Mark are the only two over $3 million in our one-and-done. You are nipping at Mark's heels. You are, quick math, $150,000 behind, $159,000 behind. I think you might make it up next week. What do you think? Well, in theory, but I have a feeling that Mark is going to start picking the same player that I pick. So hopefully we have enough variance here so that he can't do that. And one week I can make it up. But uh, yeah, so we're in the fight. I was a little disappointed with Reed, too. Not, I mean, this is the kind of event where you can be really close and, and it can be from it can go from contending to a win to getting, you know, a tied 21st in a heartbeat. Right. Then it's not that big of a difference between. Patrick Reed and Hideki Matsuyama. Financially, it's not a big difference in this kind of an event. Yet Patrick Reed had a much better chance of contending throughout the the rest of the week. I mean, he was right there throughout most of the week. So it was a little disappointing what happened late Saturday and and Sunday. But um, but this has been fun. I, I'm a huge fan of the one and done. And the super season is very interesting because I will say I would have I would have picked Hideki Matsuyama if uh, I hadn't picked him already. And fortunately, I was able to go back and avoid a penalty and save myself, you know, 35,000. Hey, well, I would have picked Xander for this week, but I'd picked him twice in the fall, so I couldn't go. I couldn't go <laughs> I've been there twice in the one and done. Exactly. At least, uh, at least I've got a spreadsheet now. Does this thing get updated every week? So I'm not going to make two picks again like I did. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, it gets updated every week. You still might make two picks, but it does indeed get updated uh, every well, single week. Gentlemen, Century Tournament of Champions in the books – Anything else I'm missing here? Are we good? I think that's it. It's everything on the outline. It's great to have the gang back together. That's all I'll say. The gang's back together. Welcome back, Mark. We are 4Y producer Jacob behind the glass. Uh, That right there, that's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That right there, that's Kyle Porter. You can find him at KylePorterCVS. And right there is Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. And we'll catch you next time.